Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. We're recording this Friday morning. It's around 1140 right now, um, so we have not had any reaction to the games that have happened on Friday, but we still have a lot of news that we need to break down and talk about here. And um, I think we're going to start with what was possibly the, or I shouldn't say possibly, but it is the best comeback we've had in the 2022 season, LJ. Uh, yeah, I think that's very, again, very fair to say. Um, whether we want to call it a comeback, whether we want to call it a collapse, um, that's up for interpretation. But um, I think either are very fitting of the times. Yeah, so the Mets and the Phillies, um, this this game starts off uh, fairly hot as the Phillies score five in the first two innings. They score seven through the first four innings, and it was 7 nothing um, heading into the top of the sixth. The Mets end up getting uh, a single run in that top of the sixth on a Starling Marte homer. Um, so, so they would trail seven to one up until the top of the ninth, where the Phillies first bring on James Norwood to try to get uh, the three outs for them. Uh, he only goes the third of an inning, allowing four hits, four earned runs, including a home run, and I believe that was Francisco Lindor who hit that home run, making it seven three. And then the Phillies switch to Corey Knable to see if he can get the final two outs um, without blowing the game. And he's unable to do that as he gives up four hits, three earned runs. Um, We'll take the loss and the blown save. The Mets score seven in the top of the ninth to win eight to seven. They bring on Edwin Diaz to close it out. Uh, Yeah, the Mets are running baseball right now it seems like they can just kind of get away they are they don't run it they are baseball they're just they're just you know if there was a team that was going to make a comeback like this i would have assumed that it was it was the mets absolutely and i mean it's just it's it's funny too because you watch some of these clips and it was like it was like this kind of had to happen like it was every freak like perfectly hit line drives um Mark Canna's single goes right off Corey Kniebel. Um, grounder up the middle, goes right off Corey Kniebel, allows the run to score because it squirts away from him. I mean, realistically, you could be talking about this being over. Mark Canna, it, that was with no outs or one out? I forget. 
Um, I think one out was when Mark Canna singled. Yes, one okay, out. Okay, so, all right, even better. So one out, the runner at third is going to have to freeze if the ball doesn't get away from Corey Kniebel. He makes the throw to first, holds the runner, makes the throw to first, and then, um, what's his face? Oh, my gosh, Dom Smith. Thank you. The Dom Smith, Smith strikes out, and game over. Like, just, again, it had the perfect amount of baseball freak incidents. You know, it's this is the ideal comeback. And, you know, you look at it from the Phillies' perspective, uh, they got all over Taiwan Walker early in this game. I mean, he did not have a good start for the Mets. Four innings, nine hits, seven runs, six of them earned, allows two home runs. Um, this Phillies offense is really good. And like guys like Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm, uh have really been hitting the ball well to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's again, the pitching. We, we, we kind of knew this was going to be the area of concern coming in. I mean, you kind of, you liked what you saw in the rotation. I mean, between Ranger, between Nola, between Wheeler, all of those guys just, there was a lot to be intrigued by there, and they haven't even stepped up across the board. I mean, Kyle Gibson's been the really only strong, consistent option for them as a starter. So every fifth day, you feel like you've got a decent shot there. But after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. And then this, this bullpen is just continues to be not as advertised. I mean, we're talking about the 25th best bullpen ERA right now. Still no consistent performers from anywhere within it and this is kind of you know it's the uh dave dombrowski kirks i mean the man's never been able to put together a bullpen you're absolutely right there and let me just highlight aaron nola real quick poor him um, has a great outing seven innings three hits one earned run and seven strikeouts and he gets the no decision as the phillies lose a heartbreaker they gave up seven in the top of the ninth to lose eight to seven to the mets Brutal. All right. Well, up next, um, we have a Red Sox story here where I believe, from what I have read, Xander Bogarts has told his his agent and some other people he's close to that he will not be returning to the Boston Red Sox following this season. Um, LJ, I guess I'll just let you take it away here. Good for him. I mean, what else, what else can I say at this point? Like, you know, this man, we've gone through the list on this show time and time again, the amount of things he adds to the team in terms of the stats, leadership, what he's done for the city, what he's done for the club, just whether it's taking a pay cut or literally recruiting his own replacement to come in and they can't even give him the respect of a contract offer that is within room of discussion like to get to this point with a guy who's been here this long and wants to clearly wants to be here clearly wants to be a red sock the fact that you can't even give him something that he's willing to discuss from like this offer that he got wasn't even a jumping off point for him it's just the the disrespect at this point is overwhelming He's better off going somewhere that he has deserved. As for the Red Sox, I, I can't defend this team anymore. I can't defend this organization because, you know, 
you go into the 2020 season, you just traded Mookie Betts. You just traded a generational talent that was on your team. Now, keep in mind, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. Generational talents don't just up and leave big markets. Like, that's not something that happens. Yeah, I was going to say that this isn't the first time in the past, like, two seasons that you've had your best player want to leave. And that just seems like... And it's not its not that he wants to leave, Brandon. It's the, one, the fact that he wants his money. And he's entitled to that. He doesn't... It, it doesn't sound like he wants to leave. This is entirely about how the contract negotiation went, is why he's decided to leave. You know, you go and disrespect this guy. But back to my point, you had a generational talent that you shipped out because you didn't want to pay him. And you had all of these uh, basically basically salary cap restrictions, but no, there's no real, real restriction here. You had payroll issues that you needed to work out. And for most Red Sox fans, we were all gullible enough, naive enough to believe that there was an understanding that, you know, all right, we're going to trade Mookie Betts. We know this isn't the ideal thing for us to be doing. We don't really want to be doing it. But once we have this whole payroll thing straightened out, we're not going to have issues like this again. And we're going to be a perennial contender like we have been, like we always should be. And so everybody, a lot of people, I think there's still, of course, the people that are mad about Mookie Betts still to this day. But there's a lot of people, including myself, who accepted that with the understanding that this wouldn't be happening again. And now here we are three years later, two years later, and it's happening all over again. And it's about to happen next year as well. Because where do you draw the line? If you're Raphael Devers, you just saw what happened to a guy who gave his heart and soul to this team. Why do you want to stay anymore? Why don't? Why do you want to be a Red Sox for life without at least you know seeing what offers are out there on the open market without giving this team a run for their money with the contract negotiation? Like everything changes now if you don't bring back Xander, even if it's not even just because it's Xander. If it's just because it's a generational talent that you have screwed over now twice. Every single one you have come through past that, every single great player you bring it, bring through, they're going to be wondering those same questions. They're not going to give the team the same respect. They shouldn't give the team the same respect. I can't even give the team the same respect anymore. This is an absolute travesty. And what's amazing to me is that this franchise, essentially when you guys signed Chris Sale a few years ago to this massive contract, you were basically saying we would rather have Chris Sale than, than a Mookie Betts at that point. And you were basically saying now we would rather have Trevor Story than Xander Bogarts. That's just how it, that's just how it works. When, no, it's when, not, though. But Those if you're giving hard. out these massive contracts to these players, why can't, like, why is Bogarts and Betts, why weren't they the first priority? Why would you go? The field play has certainly proven that they should be the first priority. The emotional attachment, the loyalty, the respect should make them the first first reason. Brandon, did you have anything else to add before I keep going? Because I know I'm just going to keep. No, I mean, I, um, it's just shocking to me that you would pay, that you'd rather pay Chris Sale than than these well, guys. Chris Sale, I think that situation is different than what we have right now, because. That was a, all right, if they, if they really think, all right, we can only pick one and they really wanted Chris Sale over Mookie Betts, that's one thing because they're both on the team and you had to kind of, if you had, if you quote, sort of had to make a choice, which they really didn't. Let's keep in mind here, this is one of the most highest valued 
franchises in all of sports across the world. If they really wanted to keep these people and keep the fans happy, if they cared about that, they would have found a way to make that all work. But if in that situation, there was a choice between two guys on the team. With Trevor Story, you brought him in. You paid him a, con a big contract to come to your team. This isn't a matter of making a choice between two players. This isn't a tough decision. This is them trying to cost cut. They're like, all right, we want to have value and production out of the shortstop spot, but we don't want to pay what we're actually going to have to pay the best available option, the clear choice. So we're going to go get the guy that we're going to be able to get for $100 million less, and we're just going to be fine with that in a year from now. Like, that's just so wrong. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much summarized what I was trying to say, but in a much, much better format. Um, so... That's certainly um, good that we got to that point, um, but I just don't understand anymore. Yeah, I, I it it certainly baffles me, especially oh. because you guys intentionally went under the luxury tax last year to reset your your penalty, so that way last you two could, years we kept under. Yeah, so that way you could go over in the future, and now you don't want to go over. Um, and it's not just the Red Sox that are doing this either. There's so many teams that treat this luxury tax threshold like a salary cap instead of a tax threshold. And it's shocking that a team like the Red Sox is treating it like this, just like how the Yankees did last year. Yeah, but this is, this is a little different, though, because you're literally you are letting your captain walk from the team over money. Your longest tenure player is leaving over money. Yeah, it's, it's I believe I'm ninety percent sure it's Xander and then Christian Vasquez in terms of who's been who's been with the organization the longest now, and that's the entirety of the list. Um, but it's just it's a shame because I mean even look at like other big stars leaving after a long periods of time. Freddie Freeman, yes, at his age, the Braves had valid concerns about what contracts they were leaving let, letting out. The Red Sox don't have those concerns with Xander Bogarts. The other thing is, at least Atlanta was in it and highly competitive in the race in free agency for Freddie Freeman till the very end. That's not going to be the way this is. And it's like, I don't know, this sounds silly, but it's a matter of the entertainment value, the emotional investment as a fan. I would rather be mediocre for 10 years and have the guys that are important to you and then maybe get get back into that situation then i would let these guys walk and do these like these rebuilds and try to get back into a winning mentality like two two three years from now where you're not going to have those same guys it's not going to be the same player you're not going to be able to just replace xander bogarts i mean and it's not like we haven't seen teams take that mentality into things i mean atlanta didn't have to keep freddie freeman all those years when things were when in the lean years, Cincinnati, yes, they've been, it, things are rough with that or, organization, with that ownership, with the management right now, but year, five years ago, you'd be saying the same thing about them. They didn't have to keep Joey Votto, even though they were mediocre every single year, but they invested in the guys that matter. Detroit invests in the guys that matter. And yet this team who is worth probably more than the, both of them combined isn't willing to do that well let's not really switch topics but um 
switch to another guy who was in the news here uh, regarding his contract extension, and that is Jose Ramirez. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, LJ, take it away. Yeah, Cleveland Browns or Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Guardians. Now I'm all thrown off. Um, yeah, no. So Jose Ramirez and his agent talked to Alden Gonzalez of ESPN yesterday. Of course, this um, right, literally right before the season, two days before the season started, they agreed to an extension with the Guardians that'll keep him there through 2028. And Brent, I think we were we were certainly right there with the fact that he was underpaid. I, at, the, at the time I was celebrating what he got paid because I'm like, all right, this significantly deflates the market for Raphael Devers. And so they've got a more, we have more of a chance of them not being cheap bastards and bringing him back. But obviously that's not going to be the case either way. We look at this and you, you know, we saw an absolute, what we thought was a steal for Cleveland, but that's not entirely what, the case was this was actually a lot more of a like it wasn't a one-sided negotiation here essentially brandon to summarize the article um they sat the the meeting originally was they sat down his agent and jose ramirez they were talking with cleveland and they're like look we do not have the money to keep you and apparently this is the exact same conversation they had with francisco lindor where they're like we don't have the money to keep you we respect you and respect your time we are willing to trade you so you can go get your money somewhere else. Jose Ramirez hears that. And unlike Francisco Lindor says, no, let's figure this out. Let's ride this out, figure out how much you can pay me and we'll go from there. And so they end up being able to get to that $25 million a year annual value that was settled upon in all of this. That was what they were capable of doing. And Jose Ramirez willingly took it because he genuinely he says and genuinely is proving now he wants to be a one franchise player. And that's just really cool. That's cool to see a guy sacrifice like that. Super cool. Uh, this, this made me respect him a lot more because of it. Um, and LJ, when, when, when you look at it, um, <clears throat> he's only getting paid over $20 million in 2022 2026, 20, 27, and 28. The other years, he's he's under $20 million for his salary. And that's cool to me because he said, hey, for the next few years, I'll take a pay cut even so, even more so than um, how my contract is, is laid out. I don't need a flat rate. You can pay me less in certain years if you think that will better help our franchise. And if he does which, I mean, he, he clearly wants to stay with the Guardians for his entire career. LJ, we're talking about a guy that is a potential Hall of Fame player that only played for one franchise, and how rare is that now? I mean, we don't see that very often any, anymore. Nowadays, it's next to impossible. I mean, again, and it's, and it's partially like, I understand why. Like, the money is a big part of the respect, but you don't see people like I, you kind of care a little too much about it. Sometimes I think for your own legacy's sake, sometimes like how much is you feeling respected by the team, especially if they're able to do things outside of that to make you feel respected. How much does that weigh towards your legacy? I know I don't have that money. If I was in that money situation, it might work out differently, but I'd like to think that my legacy means more to me than 
a couple million dollars, which doesn't seem as a very common thing around the league. That's what it is for Jose Ramirez. You look at him and you're seeing a guy who doesn't need to be the $35 million player, really probably $37, $38 million player that he's worth. He is more willing to take less money from the team. Because keep in mind, all of these guys, every single one of them, they have so many advertising deals, marketing agreements in their own market nationally that there isn't a single star, there isn't a single person that's making, um, what would that be, nine figures that doesn't have enough, more than enough money, like generational money on their advertising and um, basically NIL type money alone. Like they don't need their contract from these teams most of the time, these big, big stars. So it's a matter of respect only. And he's clearly choosing, I'd rather have my legacy and have me be tied to Cleveland for my entire career than I would the extra pocket change that I'd be getting from going somewhere else. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I feel like we often forget that athletes are making much more than what is just on their contract, especially in today's world landscape where, you know, you see advertising for everything everywhere. I think that's the best place I can put it. There's just such an influx of advertising now with commercials and billboards and social media campaigns and all this stuff that you're it's not hard especially if you're someone like him to get those really big deals because right now in Cleveland you're talking about like the best athletes there um it's him it's maybe a few of the Cavs players like Evan Mobley and a Darius Garland and I mean from the Browns you have a guy like like Nick Chubb and 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 that's really it I mean I can't think of any other like really high-profile athletes, especially now that, that a Baker Mayfield seems like he's pretty much done with the city and he will be getting traded at some point. Um, and I'm sure that, that the Guardians thought about this before signing him and realizing that they can make this guy the face of the city and or like one of the faces of the city. And we know how passionate the Cleveland fans are when it comes to their sports teams. So... Um, overall, just a great deal of, of a business by the franchise here, but also huge credit to Jose Ramirez for willing to take a pay cut um, to try to better his chances to win with the team that he uh, came up with, the team that gave him a chance. Um, it's, just, it's just a great story all around here. Yeah, and it's like, honestly he's gonna there's nothing he can do at this point like another, all right obviously there's stuff he can do like i'm not saying there's nothing he can like he could do some really bad stuff and that legacy can be destroyed but he doesn't have to go out and win world series with this team for him to be remembered as an all-time great for this city i mean you're talking about first of all, a criminal lack of all-star appearances but this is a guy who is going to win at least one mvp in the next couple of years and all of a sudden you're still going to talk about those those top five MVP finishes, the consistency of that performance, the overall greatness of his play. And he's, he could, he could probably, he's going to be one of those type types of guys. I wouldn't be shocked that maybe he doesn't get fully to the spot that we think he's going to like with his war and stuff. Maybe he isn't fully on the hall of frame fame track. He might be slightly below the average for third base, 
but because of the image, because of his reputation and his legacy in Cleveland, that speaks a lot. Like being that guy gives you a lot more respect, I think, in those conversations as well. So just the fact that he's going to be there means a lot more. Certainly. Well, let's move over to another big name player who potentially has um, an injury that could sideline him for a little bit. Carlos Correa of the Twins. Um, I believe he there was some x-rays done to his right middle finger and there appears to be a non-displaced fracture. Um, he's going to undergo a CT scan today to try to confirm that injury. But they believe that this happened. He was trying to check his swing um, in the seventh inning of the game last night. Um, and I guess he he wasn't able to. The ball, it's, this, the, the way that they put this here is pretty weird. It says he'd also been hit by a hit-by-pitch in his previous plate appearances, but the pitch that appears to cause the injury actually resulted in a ground out after trickling into fair territory. So somehow he hit the ball, and however he did it, he caused some, some damage to his right middle finger. He could certainly be out for, uh, it would be a, like at least a few weeks. I don't know what the protocol is for a broken right middle finger. I know like when Aaron Judge had a broken pinky, he was pretty much playing through it. But your throwing hand, uh, having one of the fingers that you use to grip the ball be broke, um, certainly would put you out for a little bit of time. And because of that, the Twins will then call up their top prospect, Royce Lewis, who was the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. Um, LJ, he's only played 56 games above high A in his minor league career, so we have no idea whether or not he's he's capable of facing major league pitching, but still a guy that's um, extremely highly touted, and a lot of people have been looking forward to seeing what he can do once he eventually gets to the bigs. Yeah, um, it, it's... This is going to be interesting because, I mean, you certainly, I mean, the scouting grades read for themselves. This sounds like the uh, ideal Minnesota player, you know, high power, high speed. But you look through, let's look through the numbers. I mean, yeah, he, he clearly isn't the contact hitter. The power is definitely going to be a lot bigger part of his game. But it should be reminded that he has, this is his first major league or minor league season in two years. He, of course, has the, 2020 season canceled on him and then tears his ACL in February of 2021, right before the season started. So he missed that entire season and honestly looks much improved based on statistics alone. They bring him right up to triple a after missing all that time. And I know it's a 24 game stretch, but it's about as long as any of his other stints. And it looks like again, maturity, some, some time did this guy well now at 23 years old. His uh, walk rate is just about double what it had been throughout the rest of his career. A almost career low strikeout rate in AAA of all places. So, you know, you're talking about like, this is the closest thing to the style of pitching and style of play you're going to get in the majors in AAA. You know, it's like, 
all of all, almost all of the guys in AAA either are going to be major leaguers soon or have been in the past. So he's going up, get up against very similar competition right now, and he's having the best numbers of his career. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, I'm extremely excited, especially when like a lot of people forget this guy was picked number one overall, was actually picked over Hunter Green in that 2017 draft. And I was talking about this on the show the other day, but I love seeing these young, highly touted prospects finally come up uh, to the majors. And I'm and I'm looking through this 2017 draft. LJ, the first three picks, Royce Lewis, Hunter Green, Mackenzie Gore. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. And you can go even a little further down. You've got a guy like Trevor Rogers for the Marlins, uh, Clark Schmidt for the Yankees, who has certainly come up and pitched a little. You're talking about Tanner Houck for the Red Sox. Looking like a pretty good pitching draft, especially when you go down even a little more and you've got a guy like Nate Pearson. So uh, that draft is already starting to look um, okay. And Royce Lewis, who is the headline player of that draft, at least what we think, um, he is going to be like sure I'm surprised to see him not ranked as high on the overall prospect rankings list but it also makes sense because we just haven't seen this guy play in so long that it's it is hard to try to find an accurate value for him um, and you know fan graphs they do projections for all the minor league players on you know if they played in the majors what would their stats be as of right now they're they're uh, giving him a 95 weighted runs created plus which i don't know lj if he was doing that and putting up solid uh, defensive numbers which they expect him to do based on these projections if i'm the twins i am not mad at all if that's my carlos correa injury replacement for at least this year no and again you talk about the improvement like just overall it seems like mental part of the game is really starting to click for this guy so now is definitely the time to kind of give him a taste of this, let him get his feet wet, and, you know, he's going to be able to uh, get those, um, you know, get that, get that experience. If he can have just a halfway decent time of it now, all of a sudden when you're actually ready for him to be that guy, when, you know, a year or two from now when he becomes a regular on the major league roster, he's going to be much better served because you can already see – you can already see major points of improvement in him this year. Absolutely. Well, um, LJ, was there anything else that we wanted to touch on today? No, I threw my temper tantrum. Um, that was really uh, – the Brewers-Reds game got worse after we got off. I'm not sure how. Yeah, I turned it on for entertainment. I think I texted you. I said, I turned on the Brewers-Reds game for entertainment. Uh, I am entertained. I watched – Willie Adamas absolutely smoke a home run. Um, yeah, the Reds, man, three and twenty-two. I have trouble just comprehending that. Honestly, um, it's you know at some point they're 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 gonna get a win. But LJ, like like how long do you think they could go before they win again? Are we talking three and twenty-five, three and thirty? Uh, three and thirty would be a pretty cool record. Well, actually, let's check the schedule because I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive into this. I've been more focused on um, today's game. Of course, you've got the uh, Toyota game today. 
There may or may yes. not be uh, yes. in it. Um, look, honestly, today could be the day. Like, if we're, being, if we're being real, they have four games against the Pirates this week. Or, no, we have, I'm sorry, in this next week or 10 days, they have eight games against the Pirates. They, they need not, to win not, at least two of those. Like, two two wins in there need to need to happen. That's got to be the stretch. And you don't have Nick Lodolo on the mound tonight. So that's a huge plus for you. Or Hunter Green. Yeah, so exactly. exactly. So, you know, you're at home against the Pirates this weekend. You're on the road against the Pirates next weekend. That's where you're going to win. Because I see this as a situation where you got to pick up one against Pittsburgh this weekend. You're not going to take anything from Milwaukee, even though you're at home. Then you've got Pittsburgh again the next weekend. After that, they're not beating Cleveland. They're not beating Toronto. They're not beating Chicago. They're not beating San Francisco. Maybe they'll, they'll probably beat Boston. Actually, no. If they don't win against Pittsburgh this weekend, they'll win on the 31st. Now, LJ, um, something that I was thinking about the other day, because it was a comment you made on the show, and you just kind of said in passing, oh, you know, the Reds, they'll have a good pick this year, and then they'll take whoever first overall in 2023. I think you're forgetting that the MLB now has a draft lottery, and it is no longer. So, them being this bad, you only have like a one in eight chance to get the first pick in the draft. So you're talking about like a 12.5 percent chance that that the bottom eight teams have to get the first pick. It's not even worth it to be the absolute worst team. It's just not anymore. It, it really isn't. And the other thing, too, is I'm not sure if it would matter either way because it, this always used to be a, you know, the, it, they had the idea of it being like this mom and pop ownership that just like, you know, they, would, they weren't, weren't going to spend the most money and like outspend big market teams, but they'd spend their share and they'd do what they have to do. I don't get that vibe anymore. I mean, they've certainly done nothing to prove that now. So what says they're actually going to take the best player available at number one anyways? You know, that's really been... Again, they're going to be looking for the for the guy that's going to take uh, under his slot value, for sure, like yeah. what the Pirates did last year with Henry Davis. Exactly. Overall, again, that's my, my biggest issue with the MLB draft. Like, you, you got to kind of accept the fact that they have to go through the minors and everything, so you're not going to see these guys and they're not going to make that impact which hurts the draft value, the value of the draft showing and like people getting excited about the draft. But what hurts it just as much is the fact that teams don't pick the best players first. Like it's so much harder to follow the draft and care about the draft when you're not getting that idea. So with a draft lottery, that's going to become much easier because you're more likely to get the teams that are willing to spend down at the bottom. I'm all for it. I just completely forgot it existed. Yeah, I completely forgot too. I was like, oh yeah, like they'll have the number one pick, like maybe the next like three or four seasons in a row, and um, no, hopefully not for that long. But then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, there there is a draft lottery, which means that they cannot just win thirty five games this year and get the number one pick. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod. And until then, we will see you. Have a good one. See you, Nana.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.